I don't get too far into the weeds with, you know, pHs and all the scientific stuff with the with the soils. I just, you know, can if something's not working, I try something different, you know. Sure. And, but I but I've been pretty successful with it for the last 3 or 4 years. Um, you know, we produce a ton of vegetables. We give away stuff. We have you know, I got enough canned tomatoes to make pasta for the next, you know, four or five years. <laughs> Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away, headed west for Montana. Left family and friends, all I got now is you. We both got new jobs, a host and a homestead, thinking this was the life, all that there'd be. After our firstborn, you had to stay home. That's when the work got in the way for me. Well, I started farm hop life. You'll come to your farm to help and to want. Me and the family, a truck and an RV, send us a message and there will be. This is the Farm Hop Life podcast, a traveling homestead family. I'm Matt DeRozier. Today, my guest is Bowtied Scapegoat on Twitter. He has raised two boys and have three stepchildren. He's been in the landscaping trade for 20 plus years. He is a small landscaping business owner. He started in 2008. He has a few real estate holdings. He runs Airbnbs in Puerto Rico, has a large part of land in northern, northern Appalachia, grows super hot peppers from seeds, starting them indoors. He has two raised garden beds to provide for his family, and he lives in the suburbs, so it's a small space, but he uh, has high yields. So this is, this is interesting. Um, Doing a lot with a little. I like that. So how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you being here, man. Um, so, man, that's a lot of stuff. I don't even know where to start. Uh, I guess let, let's start about the Airbnbs in Puerto Rico. Um, I know that's usually not the first question to ask, but that's unique. Let How'd you get into that? So um, my wife's family is actually from the island. And mm. she was uh, she was adopted when she was a uh, a baby, and uh, you know, right at birth. So she never knew her biological parents. Well, she did the whole ancestry thing, got some results back, and got in contact with her family just uh, you know probably about six or seven years ago, and found out that her dad was from Puerto Rico. Mm. You know, believe it or not. Um, so she went down there and met the whole family, you know, she has a giant family on the Island. And, um, you know, we, we have a, you know, a, a blessed situation, you know, we, we both have good jobs and all that. So, um, she said, I'd like to buy a house down here and, you know, come down visit my family and everything. And my idea was, well, let's, let's try and turn it into a business, you know, cause we're only going to be down there you know, a couple of weeks out of the year, maybe. So we ended up buying a place near the beach and um, 
you know, got, I, I stayed down there for like three or four weeks, um, you know, sporadically, not all, you know, continuous, but uh, yeah. just kind of work out the kinks in the house and see what people would want and all that. So uh, turned it into the Airbnb and uh, it just took off from there. And right when we were just starting to really break ground and get reviews and renters and stuff like that, um, that's when COVID hit. You know, and it kind of wiped out the whole uh, travel thing. But as soon as the restrictions were lifted, it was like an explosion of people just wanting to get the heck out of town, you sure. know, get away for, you know, a couple of days or a week with their family. So uh, it really took off um, in later uh, 2021, I guess it was, or two, 2020, you know, after the restrictions and stuff were being lifted. So we did, uh, we did really well with it. And, um, it actually got to the point where the house was rented out so much that we had to really plan to get ahead, um, you know, far in advance to go down there. So that's a good problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. So we actually just turned that one into a full-time rental and bought ourselves another condo that we're eventually going to rent that one out as well. When we do the renovations. Nice. So you guys, you guys do all the work yourselves then? Uh, we have a lot of friends and stuff that um, I really networked with people once we bought the first house down there um, just because I, you know, I'm going to be a couple thousand miles away. Mm -hmm. I'm going to need people that I can rely on and trust. And uh, so we made a lot of good friends down there, people that have really become family and um, they have a very large network of people on the island that, you know, we do do some of the work ourselves, but, you know, the heavy stuff where because we only go down there for maybe a week, 10 days at the most uh, right now because uh, we still have kids in high school. But, um, you know, that's the the goal is to go down there and spend at least winters and stuff down there when it's so cold and frigid up here in the north. But, sure. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, we, we, we hire out a lot of the stuff to do, especially on the rental property. <clears throat> right. What uh, um, what's buying property in Puerto Rico like? Is it easy? Is it cheap? Is it just um, what, I would do say, that a little bit? Yeah. So I would say we got in right before like all the boom of the real estate and stuff. It wasn't that far, uh, you know, far after um, when Maria hit the island, which devastated the island. You mm -hmm. know, um, the people of Puerto Rico are some some of the most resilient people that, uh, you know, I've ever seen just because they, I mean, they went without power island wide for almost a whole year. Um, and it was just a, a, a community coming together, helping one another out. And, you know, unfortunately a lot of people did just basically walk away from their houses and go, uh, move to the States. Um, you know, and so there was a lot of abandoned properties and, you know, just stuff that wasn't being taken care of took up. And I think insurance money just started coming in maybe a year and a half ago, a year, wow. year ago from 2016, was it? You know, or 17. Yes, um, I don't remember. So, yeah, but it's, um, you know, it's building back up. It's, it's become, you know, a vibrant tourist spot again, um, you know, and a lot of, you know, with like cryptocurrency and stuff like that, there's a lot of people moving down there for the tax havens as well. Sure. Um, 
you know, there's a couple of different acts and stuff like that, that, you know, is designed to attract wealth down to the island, you know? So, and I had no idea about any of that stuff until after we were two or three years into owning our first property there, um, which is interesting. There is a lot of expatriates there. A lot of people that are from the States all over, you know, the continental U S that moved down there permanently. So, that's kind of crazy yeah. uh last question about puerto rico how is their power generated do you know i i'm not exactly sure i'm it might be a coal-fired uh, power plant that they use um they did have some some giant windmills up uh generating electricity but maria wiped a lot of them out and they're just kind of laying there not sure. doing anything right now um but the power the power grid is is sketchy because everything's connected it's all centralized to one place so if you know one substation goes out it takes out a couple neighboring ones or stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know I've been, I've been down there where i've been without power for you know 24 48 hours before but never really longer than that um you know the uh the infrastructure system it's not like here in the States, like, you know, yeah, you, you're, you could possibly lose water, you know, depending on where you're at or if they're working on a line somewhere or, um, you know, just because everything's so centralized, um, especially with the power, but you know, it's, I've never had a major issue with it. The last time I was down there, I think we lost it for, uh, like, little over 48 hours so the end of our trip we were without power the whole time Um, dang yeah but what you know and the people down there like people here in the states would be freaking out everybody's running generators and shit no kidding uh down there everybody's like all right well we'll just go to the beach you know so i mean it's not a very (laughs) big island no matter where you are on the island you're not more than you know half hour 45 minutes from you know the coast sure um you're like oh darn i can't do any work i guess i'll go to the beach yeah 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 De- definitely a, a much more laid-back uh society that way um than here in the states you get the hustle sure. bustle you know especially in the big cities and stuff that must just drive you crazy the laid-backness yeah <laughs> I mean, it does kind of sound like it, though, because, like, I mean, you sound like you hustle pretty hard, um, you know, being, uh, I mean, ha- having your fingers in a lot of pies. Uh, yeah, it sound like you uh, take it easy. Well, I mean, it's a balancing act. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've hustled for, you know, I've been in business for 15, 16 years for myself, um, you know, and it's in the in the beginning, it was a big time grind and you know you just become like a well-oiled machine and Mm -hmm. you know your processes and operations just kind of roll themselves you know with with minimal effort um so it's definitely a definitely a balancing act that you have to have to do with it i i do have my chill time where i don't really do anything work related or and with the airbnbs that's kind of easy i can i can operate that from my couch here, you know, sure. um, and I don't even need to have, uh, have a host. I can, uh, 
uh, you know, I have an electronic deadbolt. I have let uh, lock boxes for keys and stuff like that and backups to my processes. So I don't have to worry about, okay, this one didn't work. Okay. Well, there's a backup. Um, and that's something that I learned in the landscaping business. You need to have two of everything. You need to have a backup to your backup. And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you know how it is. It, stuff just goes wrong and, you know, you have to improvise um, yeah. and prepare for it. So, but yeah, I, I, have, I, I definitely have, uh, have my chill time, you know, that's why I'm like a night owl. That's when I try and shut my mind, my body down and just, sure. kind of, uh, just kind of relax and reflect on the day and all that. Sure. Yeah, I get it. You can't be, you, you'd get burned out quick. So yeah. Uh, and with Lee, of, Oh, I'm sorry. Get, uh, I was gonna uh, say, like, with, with landscaping, it's seasonal too. So I have, you know, a couple months to recoup my body, which I do. I kind of hibernate like a bear in the wintertime. <laughs> Grow my beard long and, you know, don't want to talk to nobody. I let my, all my phone calls go to uh, voicemail. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say the, the being prepared. Uh, is that how you got started homesteading? Um, yeah. Yes and no. Like, I mean, COVID was a huge wake up call, but, um, you know, with my background in landscaping, I knew how to grow stuff. I never had a vegetable garden. Um, you know, I think in my uh, bio to in the questions and stuff to you, I, I put that, you know, married, I was married, divorced, you know, remarried now. Um, and it was really after my divorce that I started, you know, with when I started dating my wife now you know, she's been growing food since she was in her twenties mm. uh, out of necessity because she was, she was poor growing up. So, you know, with her, her I'm sorry, while her kids were growing up, um, you know, so she had to grow her own food uh, to feed everybody. Um, and it was just, just a little hobby that she liked to do. And with my background in landscaping, we kind of put our heads together and uh, I, I built all of, she was actually a customer before, we got married and really yeah i do wild story wild story let's hear it um what's that let's hear it uh yeah well um so we we've been friends for uh i would say 15 years um you know our kids played baseball together i coached both you know her son and my son in little league baseball um and um you know I went, she went through a divorce and she became a customer of mine. I was cutting her grass and uh, doing a landscaping and odd jobs and stuff for her. Um, but we also vacationed together with our kids and family hmm. and stuff. And, um, you know, I, she went through a divorce and then, you know, four or five years later, I went through my divorce and, you know, it was, it was cool because we didn't have to start from scratch and it was uh, very organic. It was just, we get, we got together, we were talking one night and, you know, about things that we, we both went through in our divorces and, um, you know, we always kind of had a connection, but we were in relationships. So, you know, that's, you know, we don't, we don't go there, but, um, now that we were both free of that, you know, it just, uh, there was a spark there and it just went off, from, you know, went off from there. 
Um, you could sell the rights to that for like a movie or something. Oh uh, yeah, if if I could, and even my wife's story is is amazing too. You know, she was young when she had her her first child, um, and you know, put herself through. She finished high school with a kid, uh, put herself through a college, uh, graduated with distinction in college. Um, you know, started started her corporate career. Um, you know, she was on food stamps and stuff like that. Like I was telling you, she was growing her own food. Um, and now she's a very, uh, very successful woman in the corporate world, um, executive level. So dang, her, man. Good yeah, for her. yeah, her story is like amazing. You know, and I, and I always we always talk about it that, you know, she's not good at writing, but I could write one hell of a story for, her, you know, no one at all. Sure. And, you know, and, and then meeting her dad later on in life and, and all that. I mean, it's just a combination of things. And it's, you know, when you, when you meet people, you can kind of, you can kind of see the power that they hold, you know, just looking in somebody's eyes really. And, um, you know, I had that, I saw that in her when I, the first time I met her, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, she just, luck just seems to fall around her and you know when you're when you're a good person good things happen and you know if when you keep a positive perspective when things aren't going good you know eventually they turn into good things and you know as long as you keep that positive attitude and outlook on things yeah you know? so 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 that's how you got you got started into homesteading i mean through your wife more or less um so what motivates you to grow your own food? So it was, um, you know, just all the all the processed foods and, you know, chemicals they use in commercial growing and agricultural and stuff like that. You know, this way we know what's in our food. Now, we're not completely um, self-sufficient. Like we still go to the grocery store for certain vegetables and fruits and stuff like that that we don't grow. But majority of our food is all homegrown, home-cooked meals. Um, and I mean, I've never felt healthier in my entire life and, you know, I'm, I'm over the hill. So it's, you know, um, but in my first marriage, like I didn't eat well and it, you know, it really affects your mood. It affects your health, um, you know, your stamina, all that. Um, so, you know, we, we started growing our own food and it became a hobby that we would do together, you know, with a good benefit of, you know, knowing what's in our food, but we also make a lot of stuff. We preserve, uh, you know, preserve and can a lot of our veggies. Um, so nothing really goes to waste. Um, we, we make spicy jellies cause I grow super hot peppers that I got into, um, after the, after the first year of me and her being together, I got into growing the peppers. Um, and it started out with like three or four pepper plants. Uh, mm -hmm. Last year, I had over a hundred pepper plants, and all, and I grew them all in pots, like five gallon, ten gallon pots. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that's why I'm, I'm I'm putting the garden extension in this year, so I can have a spot just for my, just for my peppers, because I I didn't get them out uh, early enough last year because I started them in seed from seed, but I started a little bit too late this year. I'm way ahead of the game. 
So, um, nice. You know, last year I only got like maybe one and a half harvest out of the peppers, where, you know, this year I'll probably get three. Nice. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. What do you, what do you, uh, when you say that you, you're way ahead this year and you might get three harvests out of them, uh, what did you do different? Well, I, I basically just started them a whole lot earlier um, inside. So okay. I, I have a powerful grow light and I use the Jiffy Pods, um, the expandable. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I started last year. I didn't get started until March, maybe, you know, trying to germinate the seeds. And with peppers, they take a little bit longer. They're a little slower to get started. Um, so you've really got to start them in like January if you're doing inside. Did you ever get your te- peppers tested? Um like Scoville scale or no? Uh, I never did. No. So Is like I curious to you? Year, the the last two years I've just been dehydrating them and using them in um jellies and uh sauces sure. and stuff. But um you know, I'm I'm I'd like to go down the rabbit hole of hot sauces and see how hot they are. That'd be uh, sweet. So I haven't even I haven't gotten that far yet. You know, it's just kind of a, it was a hobby that morphed into this obsession now. <laughs> sure. I, uh, I just have, uh, for lunch, I do ham and cheese, no bread, no mayo, just like, just take a slice of cheese, fold it in half a couple of times, like roll, uh, roll a slice of ham around it. And my wife, it, early in the pregnancy, she got like this hot honey stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just honey with like, cayenne pepper in it or something like that and um i actually had to dilute it it was too hot for me i'm, I'm, I'm kind of a wimp but um you know i'm, I'm a mid- midwestern like for some people like ketchup is too spicy so <laughs> uh but anyways i do just a little bit of that hot honey on my uh ham and cheese and it's pretty dang good so you should team up with bowtie farmer and get some of his honey you do your peppers and uh See how it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. We've actually talked about that because. Uh, really? Yeah. Me, me and him have become kind of good friends on, you know, online and everything. So, yeah. Um, you know, and, and he's actually part of that uh, group that we're, you know, trying to build something together with. Oh, cool. Uh, so, um, but yeah, we, we joke about it all the time, you know, and, you know, it's like post physique of our, uh, of our gardens, you know, we got to show, we got to show them off to each other. That's right. Uh, you know, I mean, oh, he's, man, that's so cool. Yeah, you guys are just like, uh, you know, you know, promoting each other's thing or, you know, like, hey, that's awesome. Looks awesome. You know, keep yeah. It up. Yeah. And, and Farmer's a great guy. You know, he's a super good guy. You know, I miss Farmer too. Um, you know, and I, I've learned stuff from him. He's learned stuff from me. So it's like a, you know, a perfect, perfect relationship, friendship that, uh, you know, we can kind of bounce each ideas off of each other and you know hey this worked for me that worked that didn't work you know yeah um so what in your garden what kind of like practices or methods techniques are you using i see that you're you know you said that you have raised beds why did you choose raised beds so i did the raised beds because we have uh heavy uh like red clay soil in my area okay so uh, it really holds that water, you know, and it, it tightens up um, in the summertime and stuff too. So 
I was like, well, we'll just do, instead of trying to mend the ground that's there, I'll just build up. I only did one tier up of the six by sixes. Okay. Uh, and, um, you know, then just filled it with my compost soil and, you know, mushroom soil and everything. So, but it, it really helps keep it up out of the ground so you can control the, the moisture to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have to, may have to water a little bit more, but uh, the last couple of years we've had ample rain where I barely had to turn my sprinkler on. Nice. So what else, um, what else do you, do you do besides like the raised beds for, you know, to be able to finely tune like the soil, you know, you, you're not, you're not working so hard just to. So like I, I mainly use mushroom soil. Um, and what does that mean? I've never heard that. So mushroom soil, it's like a, kind of a pasteurized process that they pasteurization process they do of the soil um and it's um it's it's used for ground mushrooms uh super super nutrient black dark loose soil um and it's just packed with the nutrients it needs i you know you do have to um i mean they i've read a, a couple varying things on it where you have to add stuff to the soil to get uh, get your levels right for the, all the nutrients and stuff. But I just till it in and, you know, uh, just add fresh stuff to it every year. And it's fine. I, I have no problems. Mm-hmm. I, the plants grow really well. Um, it's probably a tiny bit acidic in the soil. So you got to be careful of what you're putting in there. And, sure. Um, you know, but it's, it's a like they used to sell it as you get fresh mushroom soil, which was like super hot soil uh, with nitrogen and everything. Um, so it could burn the plants and, and everything. But yeah, they don't sell the age stuff anymore. So it's kind of, you know, it's not as powerful uh, when it comes, you know, when you when you put it in your gardens. Is it expensive? Um, I pay about twenty three, twenty four dollars a yard for it. Cubic yard. Holy smokes. Yeah. That sounds expensive. Um, I mean, a, a cubic yard that's going to do about a hundred square feet, one or two inches thick, you know, a okay. couple, couple inches thick. So, um, you know, it, it's a, it's costly initial for the initial cost, uh, building your gardens, but maintaining them, you just, you know, throw a yard or two on top of it and, you're good to go and you, you can get it in bags and stuff, but, um, just local garden center. You might place. be able to find it in garden centers. You'd have to Google around to find it, but, uh, I have a mulch yard right by my house and I know just from dealing with them for the last 20 years in landscaping that, you know, we use it on trees, shrubs, flower beds and all that. So, um, you know, I knew, knew to try it you uh use that and then i could get it in bulk too you know oh nice you know and i had i had the truck and and everything to where i could go just pick it up and you know get it out of shovel it out of my truck you know because i have a dump bed that raises up makes it easy nice so um what have you other than the like the mushroom the mushroom soil what have you tried that has worked well um so like I've done, um, 
you know, with, with my background and everything, I knew how to take care of the plants and stuff like that, watering. And, and cause that's like a, that's like a big thing for people just starting out. Like, well, when do I water? Well, when it needs it, <laughs> like I, that's just common sense to me, you know, like I, I can tell, but, um, you know, the peppers did really well. I did them in fabric pots last year. Mm. And, um, what that does is, uh, the air pruning, cause it's a fabric pot, more oxygen getting to the roots. Uh, so they, they basically prune themselves. They don't do the whole spiral thing around the plastic pots. Um, you know, but you have to water them more often. Sure. Um, and, um, you know, I, I already have a lot of worms and stuff in the soil here. So that really helps with, you know, keeping everything balanced and, and nutrient rich in the soil. Um, you know, our tomatoes and cucumbers go crazy every year. Um, you know, and then, but I also have like trellises and stuff too, like, you know, for pole beans, I got them for cucumbers and, and we just kind of like jam pack our garden. Um, you know, so it's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty basic setup, pretty, um, I don't get too far into the weeds with, you know, pHs and all the scientific stuff with the, with the soils. I just, you know, can if something's not working, I try something different, you know, sure. and, but I, but I've been pretty successful with it for the last three or four years. Um, you know, we produce a ton of vegetables. We give away stuff. We have, you know, I got enough canned tomatoes to make pasta for the next, you know, four or five years. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot. Do you, do you have a, a special variety of tomato that you like best for, for canning? So we like the, the Roma tomatoes, um, the San Marzano's are, mm -hmm. uh, are pretty good. Um, we got, uh, the old school Roma tomatoes this year. So, um, you know, I'm kind of eager. The nice thing about the San Marzano is they're a little bit tougher on the skin. So they're easier for like cutting and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but I mean, we just throw everything into the blender if we're using it for the canned tomatoes, uh, for our sauce base. But uh, beefsteak tomatoes, um, I think we grew early girls last year. I think that, that was the name of them. My wife's better with a lot of the names than I am. I'm just like, yeah, let's just grow whatever. Pick out what you want. Sure. Um, but yeah, and then we have we planted two cherry tomatoes last year and one was a sunkissed cherry. So they're like uh, more orange and the, like they were fantastic. They were much sweeter than the regular, just cherry grape tomatoes. And um, you know, so we just, we decided to plant just one of them this year because we just had too many. They so many rotted on the vine that it was kind of a waste taking up space in the garden. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> what, what have you tried that didn't work or failed? Um, well this year, this year has been garlic for me. It was my first time trying to grow garlic. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I don't know if I didn't do it right or, or what, but I didn't have any success with that so far this year. And I even, I don't know if something got in there and ate 
because I had a problem with Vols last year. Oh, they got in there um, and ate, you know, just ate the, you know, little little seeds of, or pieces of garlic that I was trying to grow. But I couldn't even find the pieces that I put in there. I dug around. <laughs> they're not even there. So, oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. So. Uh, when's your last? What's that? When's your last frost date? Like, when did you like put plants in the ground outside? So I was a little bit behind because the weather was terrible uh, mm-hmm. this year. Usually, my area is like Mother's Day is the perfect day to plant. Okay. You know, the first week of May, you don't have to worry about frost anymore. Um, but we did we did have a, a late frost. Uh, I want to say late. April, early, uh, early May, we, we did have a frost. So if you put your garden in early, you were going to have to take precautions to get out there, protect everything and, and all that. Um, but I usually just wait until I know, you know, I'll look in the seven day forecast and be like, okay, we're good. It's going to be in the seventies. It's not going to drop down to, you know, 32 again. Right. So, but it's, it's right in the beginning of May is when we can put stuff in the ground. I was just curious how established your your garden is so far. Cause I'm seeing like a bunch of pictures uh, in like our, in some of our mutual. Man, how is there stuff like already, you know, they're already like picking strawberries almost. And I'm like, I just got my stuff in the ground like two weeks ago. Yeah. If yeah. That, you know, just like. And, and, yeah. And that's, I'm kind of like freaking out. Cause I have, I still have to, all I have to do is put soil into the, um, into the garden extension I'm making. And it's basically doubling the size of the garden for the nice. peppers. And I'm like stressing out. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, it's like, I'm, they need to get it in the ground. We're in June already, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we're, we're producing strawberries already. Um, I have a couple of herb boxes, you know, like herb tables with that sure. one yep. like strawberries in. Uh, another one that I'm growing lettuce, spinach, and some radishes in, and then the other ones like basil, uh, rosemary, thyme, uh, cilantro, all that good stuff for the herbs. So, I mean, basically everything that we use to cook a meal comes from here, except for the meat, you know, for cooking, we get it from the store. Um, so I mean it's it's really cool, but we, we both enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun in the kitchen making the stuff together. So it's you know it's it's good <clears throat> all around. You're 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 giving yourself healthier foods, and you're spending quality time with your family doing it. And um, you know I I think that's the the biggest takeaway for me is yeah. that I get to spend time with my wife, and it's like we're both into it. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll put the music on, open a bottle of wine. We'll be dancing around the kitchen, slicing up tomatoes or you guys are like a movie. Yeah, it really is. It's, you know, we both went through shitty situations with our, uh, divorces and stuff. And, um, you know, life rewards you when you, when you come out of that, you know, cause Mm -hmm. that can really, that can really beat you up you know, going through a divorce and, um, trying to start over after that. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it really is a, it's a fairy tale ending for both of us. Uh-huh. And, you know, I couldn't be having that. I'm the happiest I've been 
in my entire life um, awesome. going back to as a kid. So, you know, it, and it all, it, you know, we're all, we're into the same things. We like the outdoors. Um, you know, we like growing food and plants, flowers and that sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I have a good life, man. I can't, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I have, I have a really good life. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. So what has been the biggest challenge in homesteading that you faced? So the biggest challenge has been space, actually. Mm. Um, you know, we live in the suburbs. Our, um, our house, uh, our yard is, you know, less than half an acre. I'd say probably about closer to a third of an acre. Um, and uh, so we, but, you know, it, our backyard is fenced in for our dogs. And that's only, uh, I want to say maybe 80 by um 80 by 60. Okay. So okay. it's not it's not real big. And we have a pool and a patio that takes up most of that space. Um, so that's why we have the small raised garden beds. And um, the space has been the biggest challenge for me. That and dealing with pests, you know. Okay. Because you, know, yep. you don't want to spray, spray everything with chemicals and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, uh, last year we had squash bugs that took out uh, all of our squash plants, so we didn't really get any harvest from that. And the cucumbers, I think it was too wet of a year for them because they were um, just not – they they produced really well in the beginning of the season, but after that first harvest, that first run, it was they were, like, terrible. Hmm. You know, the cucumbers weren't good. Uh, they were kind of bitter and, and hard. Um, so um, we ended up just taking them out halfway through the summer because they weren't weren't doing anything. Sure. Yep. Do you – so because of the space, I'm assuming that's why you don't have any livestock. Yes. Yeah, and there's actually ordinances in our town. That's my next question. You know, you we could have chickens, but that we couldn't have hooked animals or anything like that. You know, it's um, just because of the size of the lot and everything. If we had, you know, over an acre, acre and a half, uh, I think that might be allowed then. But, hmm. um, you know, you, you need acreage for that around here. Sure. And it's not that big of a deal to you that you would, it would you're contemplating moving that just to have livestock? Yeah, I mean, the, the live... The livestock would be nice, but we have we have such busy lives right now with you know the landscape business with and we do a lot of traveling down to Puerto Rico and um, we actually just per purchased the uh, hundred acres in the uh, northern Appalachian Mountains. Dang, so, dude! Good um, for you. And and that could be a potential option for you know full on homesteading. But that's we're talking a couple years down the road, you know, once our kids get out of high school and, um, you know, but we like we like to be able to move around and like that freedom. You know, we have two dogs and it's always a challenge trying to find, you know, someone to watch a dog. Or, you, know, yeah. you don't want to put them in in the kennel because it's it's just not the same. They're in a cage <laughs> most of the time. So luckily, my parents are close enough. 
uh, that they can help out with the dogs and stuff. But um, yeah, I would say because you know with the properties down in Puerto Rico, we like to go down there, you know, once every other month at the least. You know, try and get down there once every month, month and a half. Um, and now with the property up in the mountains, um, you know, we'll be traveling up there doing stuff there as well. So, right. You know, Damn, eventually, man, eventually, crazy. 100 yeah. acres in Apple. Man, what can I ask what you paid for it? Uh, we paid like 165. What? Yeah. That seems like a crazy good deal. Am I like, yeah, so like the area is like I I've been hunting in this area for you know twenty plus years, and um, that's been like my ultimate dream to have a property of my own where I'm, I can go hunt animals and mm -hmm. um, you know specifically white-tailed deer. I love you know white-tailed deer hunting. Um, and Bow or rifle? Both. I do both. I, I'll nice. do. Uh, like around it, around my regular house is where I'll do my archery hunting because, um, you know, you can't hunt with a rifle in, in the area because it's just too built up. I'm too close to the too too close to the city, too populated area. Right. Um, but the further north you go, you can start using start using rifles and stuff, and that's why I've been going up there for twenty plus years. Um, and it's. Um, you know, so the property that I bought, I've been hunting there 20 years and that was always my dream to buy something to go hunt my own land. And I just kept coming. I started looking and I came across it, you know, this property and I was like, whoa, that's like super cheap for the land. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to go look at it. So I went, looked at it and like just jumped on it. I was like, we'll take it. Like, where do I sign? And, um, you know, because I saw that the mountain is loaded with deer. Um, you know, there's at least a dozen, dozen and a half deer on the property. Um, I saw a coyote, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but it's, it's still something cool to see up close. Mm -hmm. um, saw a bunch of turkeys. And the reason that, that the property was cheap was because it was logged, but it wasn't clear cut logged, you know. Oh, that's good. So they, they came in and they, they took a lot of um, maple, oak, and cherry off of the property. But um, it's, it's not like bear. And that's actually good for the wildlife um, because then it, the forest floor starts growing back up again with brambles. Right. And, you know, food attracts different types of animals, gives them cover. Proper um, management. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's cool. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. And, and the, um, the property's more or less for recreation, for hunting and camping. Like, large, we could have large a large family gathering there if everybody brings their campers and stuff like that. So, uh, but it's got river river frontage, um, and all the all the logging trails are there, so you can basically drive all around the whole property in a you know heavy duty four-wheel drive vehicle or you know riding four-wheelers and stuff like that which me and my kids do nice that's so, awesome man yeah um so what would you say the best part about homesteading is so the best part i would say uh definitely spending time with my wife you know we 
we enjoy each other's company and um, we work well as a team together too. You know, whether it's outside in the garden or inside, you know, preserving foods and stuff like that. Uh, we work very good as a team, get along really well and have a lot of fun doing it. Um, you know, and making all the different kinds of foods. Um, we don't, we don't buy spices from the store anymore. I have all the peppers and stuff. She'll make, she'll cook. She's very creative with making dinners and stuff. So she'll combine spices and, you know, something that maybe we bought at the store. She'll recreate with all homemade stuff, which is like just awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We make spicy jellies, uh, pickles, spicy pickles, Mm, uh, tomato sauce. um, You know, like, well, we'll can the tomatoes for our base of sauce. And, you know, basically the only thing we have to put into it is tomato paste. And last year I said, well, let's figure out how to make tomato paste then. You know, so it's like every year we pick up something new with it. And, it, it you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Do you ever sell out of your stuff? Or is it just all, I'm going to keep this for me? So last year um, I I tried to sell some stuff to like friends and and whatnot, but mm-hmm. um, I just didn't have quite the inventory for it. Sure. Like everybody loves the pickles that we make. Um, and we usually just give the stuff away, you know, okay. if, um, you know, to friends and stuff. But I said, well, let's try and turn this into a business. I'm always about, I'm always thinking of like the dollars of, you know, what, what can I, what can I get out of this where maybe it at least pays for my hobby at the very least, you know? Um, so I did, tr- did try, uh, to sell a couple things last year and, uh, there's a couple of people in the Bowtie community that I sold a couple jars to okay. and everything. So, but I haven't gotten into like the massive production of it and, and all that. I mean, it's, I think it would take a lot of work, um, you know, and I don't know if I want to deal with the regulations and, you know, the health department and all that stuff, having to come into my house and, yeah. in and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, that's why you just don't advertise. Yeah. It's like, I'm selling the jar, not the contents. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and another problem with COVID was um, during the whole COVID nonsense the last couple of years, it's been so hard to get um, mason jars. It's yeah. been like, so hard to, to find them. So if I get, and I think Farmer was telling me the same thing, um, mm-hmm. you know, for like honey and stuff like that. The lids for sure. It's like, yeah. um, Something like I, I had heard from another uh, podcaster, she had looked into why there's a shortage of ball jars. And it's like, it's it was specifically the lids mm-hmm. and their, their sales were up like four times from the year before, or the demand was up four times or something like that. So it's like, okay, you can't just flip a switch and make four times as many lids as you were making. Like that's, you're you're talking like a new facility at that point, you know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you can't just turn up the machine four X and go faster. So. Yeah. And and I think it's specifically with the lids. It was the wide mouth lids that you you had a hard time finding. You could find the, the smaller lids, you know, because they weren't being used 
um, quite as much. So, right. um, you know, but yeah, we, and, and like if we would tell all of our friends, if you go to the store and you see lids or jars, grab them. We'll pay you whatever Venmo you or <laughs> pay. Right. Yeah. So let's, is it, is it best to start a small garden or just go big? What would you suggest? So I think if you're, if you're a complete novice um, and basically know nothing about the guard, uh, the gardening scene that start small, you know, start some stuff in some pots, um, you know, see what you want to grow. Um, definitely, jo- you definitely want to join like Facebook groups and online groups and stuff like that on Twitter or um, even TikTok and stuff um, just to learn some stuff. But there's so much it's, it's overwhelming. There's so much information out there that it's hard for a beginner to kind of pick through. So you just kind of have to, you know, read up on some stuff, watch some videos, and then kind of filter that information yourself with what you know and uh, see what works and see what doesn't, you know, it's, it's always a learning game. Like every year I'm learning something new about, you know, the garden or the soil or pests or, you know, can't grow this here. Uh, type of thing. So it's just a lot of experimentation. Um, You know, so I would say, you know, if you're a beginner, it's best to start small. Um, You know, if you're, if you have the space, you know, a little, you know, 10 by 10 or five by 10 garden is is plenty big to grow some tomato plants and, you know, a couple pepper plants or something, Um, you know, and then you can always build on from that. So it's, you'd hate to see you put all this uh, time, effort and money into something and then realize like, oh crap, this is like way too much for me to handle. You know, I'm getting burnt out and actually I don't even like gardening now. You know, so like you kind of get burnt out and turned off from it. Um, You know, so if you start small, you can always add on to it and you, Chances are you're always going to like uh, I'm built. I'm going to build a greenhouse as well. We just redid all the windows in our house last year where I'm, that's going to be the next phase, you know, later on this summer. That's cool. Yeah. So and with completely repurposed materials, which is awesome. But that is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're constantly going to want to do more. If, if you're enjoying it, you're you're going to want to build it bigger and, and keep, you know, adding on year after year. Um, you know, so it's, I think it's best to start small and then add on as you get better, more knowledge and comfortable, um, enjoying your garden. Is there a couple of, um, of, uh, vegetables or let's say fruits, that you would recommend people get started with? Like, okay, these are easy. It's kind of hard to screw up. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely say like tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, uh, like bell peppers. They're, they're pretty okay. easy to grow. Um, you know, take minimal care. Um, like some of, some of the super hot peppers that I grow, they're pretty, they can be kind of finicky, especially starting them. Um, But, you know, everything that I grow seems fairly easy and fairly maintenance, you know, not maintenance free, but 
very limited maintenance to them, you know, some watering, some weeding in the bed, you know, and picking the fruits when they're and veggies when they're ripe. Um, but definitely cucumbers, tomatoes, peppers, um, they're, they're real easy for a beginner. Um, don't take a lot of care or special care or anything like that. Um, you know, and I mean, I have like strawberries too. I mean, strawberries are super easy to grow. In fact, you're going to be trying to contain them that they're going to grow so much. Right. You know, like they'll, that's why I have them in a, um, you know, like an herb table because I don't want them spreading all over the place because from landscaping, I know all about wild strawberries and how much of a pain in the butt they are to, uh, you know, to weed out once they get established somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, strawberries are kind of, they're kind of crazy like that. Like I, we planted them our first year at this house and like, I did not like do anything for the winter. I just like left the garden bed uncovered, didn't do any weeding, nothing. And getting ready in like that following spring i'm like we have strawberries growing already like there's it was it was crazy how resilient they were and just like yeah damn (laughs) well and and also like the amount of time that you they produce fruits i mean you're going to get it from like we're pulling strawberries you know big ripe strawberries off of our plants now um and we have been for about a week now and we'll get fruits off of them until first frost you know like we'll be to nice. in, you know sometimes well well into late october um possibly even early november if it stays warm enough so sweet you know, they're they're super easy and then i have um i transplanted some blueberry bushes from a friend's house they were they were going to cut them down i was like oh i'll come dig them up and plant them in my yard and yeah uh, you know, they, they took off, uh, they're super low maintenance. Don't really have to do anything to them except cover them with netting. So the birds don't get to it, uh, before I get to harvest mm, them. Right. Animals have a way of doing that. Like the day before you're going to pick them. Uh-huh. It's just like, nope. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're professional harvesters. They know when that stuff's ready. That's true. That <laughs> is true. It's literally how they survive. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and then I have some uh, blackberry and raspberry bushes as well that are like super easy to grow. How big do you get? How big do your blackberries get? Like the size of your thumb, or uh, I would say probably about a half inch, three quarters of an inch at the at the most. They don't get okay. like too big. Um, they've only That's been in crazy couple, big ones. Yeah, they they don't. They've only been in a couple years, and they were kind of tucked in with the rest of the vegetable garden, so they were kind of getting crowded out mm. um you know sure. and they spread they spread underground too through the um you know the stones and roots and stuff like that so i took them out of the veggie garden and put them actually in the landscape beds underneath my pear tree so we'll gotcha. see how they do this year um let's talk about this this uh business model you and uh bowtie farmer are working on so you you got this you got this discord that you're putting together to help make better men and you're Uh calling it building kings can you tell me what that is and like so far what what you guys have got so far yeah so we have a um we have a group chat on twitter and there's 10 of us in this group chat and 
um, over the last six, seven months, we've all become really good friends, you know, and it's been a completely organic um, building of a relationship between all of us together as a group. Um, I don't think I've ever been in a group message before where it's like just constant, like everybody's talking in it, um, engaged, knows what's going on. Um, you know, like we help each other out with personal situations, um, you know, advise on stuff, business stuff. Um, and we're all varying ages. So, sure. you know, some of us are in, you know, I'm in my forties. Some of the guys are in their mid thirties, early thirties. Other ones are in their mid twenties. So it's a wide range of age for us all, but we're all kind of based in, uh, you know, in our ideologies, I guess you would say, and um, just way of living. Uh, we want to be free men. We want to be sovereign men, um, you know, that we don't have to, we don't want to have to answer to, to other people, to a job, to sure. yeah. you know, the government, to, you know, societal pressure and all that. Um, so we really like to put something together where, you know, we can kind of take all of our experiences um, and help other guys, help other men, because men don't have an outlet, right? So, right. like, women, they talk to their friends, they go out and stuff like that, and guys do that, too, but it's not, like, there's nowhere, like, if you're hanging out with your, like, my in-real-life friends, um, you know, like, we'll hang out, we'll just kind of shoot the shit. We don't really dive into, like, our problems and our um maybe issues and mental stuff that we're going through where these guys that i know on you know strictly online mm -hmm. we all share stuff that you know we probably don't tell anybody else you know except for sure. maybe our spouses yeah. um so it's nice to have that uh you know that outlet that where they're not gonna no one's judging you it's it's kind of like a counseling session it's i mean it's really awesome um, you know, and we all get something out of it, you know, everybody's got something to offer to the group and, you know, to make us all better. I right. would say that, I would say that I've improved greatly as a man, you know, just from talking with these guys, um, sharing our ideas, thoughts, feelings, um, experiences. So, um, and we, we'd like to share that with other men, too. Be, like I said, there's there's no outlet for for men really like that. You know, like, sure, you can go to therapy and you're going to have to pay for it. And, um, you know, maybe you're not going to be as honest with a therapist. Whereas if you're talking to a group of other guys that have been through something similar, like, oh, hey, this guy's been through this. So, uh, you know, he... he I give him more, um, you know, validation than, you know, some, you know, some shrink that I'm going to see or something, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. He just, you know, we're just, you can relate much more with that. I, in my, in my opinion. So, so, so then what's the business model or is, are, is it still in development? So it's still in development and we're, um, we're actually going to be having a meeting, about it, uh, a phone, uh, you know, phone call on Discord 
um, to kind of hash out some ideas and, you know, plans moving forward. So it's just, it's just in, in its infancy right now, but I would say by, you know, fall, winter this year, there'll definitely be something substantial um, being put out there and promoted and, and all that. And I think uh, we're probably going to start promoting it, um, you know, towards the end of the summer here, once we start get a couple of the basics That's built. That's awesome. Um, so, but we were thinking maybe doing some sort of men's retreat, you know, where they, uh, with my, <coughs> you know, where we go out into the wilderness, spend a week or, you know, five days out in the wilderness, learn how to start a fire, learn how to catch and, uh, you know, kill your own food, prepare it, that sort of thing. You know, basically like a mini survival course for men. Um, but then you get like the mental, mental help with it as well. Um, you know, not mental help, but mental guidance, I guess you could say, sure. you know. No, so. I get it. That's awesome, dude. I'm looking forward to seeing how that, uh, what, what, what all comes of that. That'd be, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're excited about it and, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, the doom and gloom and, in, in society and where the economy's going and, um, you know, making Wi-Fi money, so to speak. And, you know, at least in the crypto world, that's how they're speaking. And, um, you know, so this is kind of an opportunity for us to put our heads together and, you know, maybe make some money doing something we enjoy and also helping other, other people out. Um, yeah. Because the, the, the group of guys that I'm talking with, they're all very caring, um, you know, individuals. Like we don't want to see anybody suffer. We know, hard times are probably coming and uh you know if we can minimize that for some people you know even if it's just one person it's worth every bit of effort we could put into it absolutely so, you know and that that's kind of how all of us really live um you know service to others and um you know you with that comes good karma and you know good things come back to you so no, that sounds great. Um, so let's like wrapping up here. You have a couple of different, uh, different couple of, wow. Can't talk a couple of different social medias. Um, are, are you most, uh, are you most active on Twitter? Yeah. Twitter's Twitter's where I'm at all the time. I just kind of grab the handles on the other platforms just to okay. have them. Um, so sure. I could possibly expand, um, you know, if I decided to, you know, take a, a business that route or something like that. And I, I may do that with either YouTube or TikTok um, with with videos of like nature and stuff like that, um, because the, the mountain property that I uh, that we just purchased, um, I plan on setting up cameras all over the place and, um, you know, using some of that live or you know some of that footage for videos and stuff like that um you know because i i was talking to uh a guy on twitter and he was talking about there was this rain video on youtube sounds of rain and you could mm -hmm. basically pick any sound of rain that you wanted it had like a couple hundred million views like the mm -hmm. guy is, makes a million dollars a year just off of you know, a recorded sound that he put with some, uh, 
you know, put with some video and, mm -hmm. and I mean, he's just basically printing money in his sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Speaking of trail cams, did you see the photo uh, going around Twitter recently about that owl that looked like he was attacking a deer? No. I think uh, it was, oh, what the heck is the account? Cowboy in before it was cool. I think that was him. Um, oh, okay. I'll have, to, I'll have to search out when we get off here. <laughs> kind of crazy. Like, it's like the owl isn't quite like at, like at the deer yet, but like, I mean, it's within a foot of like it's, you know, talons getting oh. the deer. I'll, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. But so yeah, bow tied. Uh, Oh, it's it, I say I see it's Bowtie Fall Guy on uh, on Twitter. Yes, the yeah, actual so, at Bowtie Fall Guy, but the, yes, the yeah, that that's my gotcha. that's my okay. that's my Twitter handle because Bowtie Scapegoat wouldn't fit in there, and I'm I'm too stupid what? to I'm too stupid to abbreviate the Bowtie Scapegoat so it matches. But sure. you know, Bowtie Scapegoat, you know, Fall Guy, they go hand in hand, and it's. It goes with uh, with my theme of landscaping and, and that sort of thing. So, sure. But. Well, hey man, I, uh, I I got a couple more things after we wrap up, and uh, I appreciate you you uh, giving me your time tonight. Been awesome. yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on, man. It's been a pleasure. I had a lot of fun tonight, and uh, you know, got to talk about some things I like to do. So, I, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, you're welcome. You're Love to have you come back on and see where you're at in a year or two. So, yeah, absolutely. Love, love to do it. Good interview with Bowtide Scapegoat. Great connection to ask about producing more food in the same amount of space and different landscaping tips and tricks. Follow him on Twitter. Thanks for watching, everyone. Leave a comment, like, subscribe, and most importantly, share this video. Check out our website, farmhoplife.com. There you can sign up for our email list or Telegram channel to be notified when new videos, interviews, and podcasts are available. We are on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, MeWe, and Float. So send me a message, farmhoplife.com slash contact, or email me anytime, matt at farmhoplife.com. It's the same. I'm always looking for new people to interview. If you'd like to come on to talk about homesteading, farming, food security, homeschooling, regenerative agriculture, alternative building methods, or anything else, pitch me an idea. Go to farmhoplife.com slash guest. Go feed yourself. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away, headed west for Montana. Left family and friends, all I got now is you. We both got new jobs, a host and a homestead, thinking this was the life. All that there'd be After our firstborn You had to stay home That's when the work Got in the way for me Well I started Farm Hop Life You'll come to your farm To help and to wander Me and the family A truck and an RV Send us a message and there will